He is good. I like to move with the Holy Spirit because, look, this is not about me. It is not about what I can say or what I can do. It is about the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of his people and in your hearts because without him we have nothing. But in him, in Christ, we can do all things. Amen? So I want to talk. I'm not going to be long. I want to talk a little bit about doing the will of God. God is amazing in how he leads us and how he guides us. Recently, um, not recent, we are actually in the middle of Melbourne Life running our discipleship ministry school course. And it's just amazing to see how God moves in his people. And this has kind of been resonating with me in us as the church understanding the will of God and actually doing in the, the will of God. And how the enemy wants to do everything he can to distract us from doing the will of God. That's the reason we're here. There is no other reason that we are on the earth. The Bible says we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world and the light to the world. We are actually, Jesus came and he laid the blueprint out for all of us. So when it comes to living, we understand whose we are and we understand who we are to actually permeate the earth that we're in. So we're here to do the will of God. Amen? So let's get into it. First of all, we, under, we have to understand that doing the will of God, it takes maturity. We have to mature. And maturity is a process. It is never an overnight thing. Neither is it over some nights type of thing. As you mature, you have to continue to mature. And as long as we're here, we will always be maturing. So when we look at where we are, we should see how much we've matured back to where we come from and back to how it started for us. So maturity is needed when it comes to doing the will of God. And part of maturity is actually us recognizing the emotions we all deal with, the feelings we all deal with, the intellect and the logic and the way we think. All of that encompasses us understanding that we have to not only acknowledge what, what it is we go through in our humanity, but we have to bring that to the cross. Because the only way we live in terms of how we decide and how we make decisions has to be based purely on what God is saying to us. Not based on our emotions, not based on our feelings, not based on what we think, but based on the word of God. So the Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. That's powerful. Because whatever you've been through, whatever you've gone through, once you become that new believer, once you become that new creation, all things, old things are gone. And behold, you are now the new creature in Christ. And that is by the Spirit. Because how many know we are spiritual beings? We're housed in the, in the flesh, we're housed in the natural, but we are spiritual beings. Jesus told Nicodemus, whoever comes to me and whoever is a part of the kingdom must be born again because we're born into the spirit. Amen? So we become spiritual beings. So this new creation has everything to do with who we are in the spirit. However, 
It is not a magic pill understanding how we relate to the spirit and how we cut off the flesh. It doesn't happen overnight. We still have to deal with the things that are in our flesh. Am I right? Oh, I love it. You guys are talking back to me. This is great. If we continue to read in that same book, even in the next chapter, this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 4 through verse 6. He says, but as servants of God, He's already said, we're new creatures in Christ. We live in the spirit. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Oh, that don't sound too good, does it? That doesn't sound too good because when you start to live according to the spirit, guess what suffers? The flesh. Oh, woo. The flesh suffers because the flesh and the spirit are never in agreement with each other. As a matter of fact, Romans says that the flesh is enmity towards God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. You will never hear the flesh, you will never hear yourself wake up and your flesh tells you, oh, I think you need to pray. Flesh is not going to do that. As a matter of fact, when your spirit is urging you to pray, the flesh is saying, oh, I'm a little bit too tired. Oh, I need a coffee. Oh, let me get on about my day. I'll make some time. The flesh is enmity towards God. The flesh cannot glory in the presence of God. So when we think about this, these are the things that Paul is mentioning to, this, to his people, to the people he's writing to in Corinth. You are new creatures in Christ. But guess what? As creatures in Christ, these are the things that we, as people lead in leading you and encouraging you, these are the things we are suffering. These are the things we're having to endure. These are the afflictions that we're going through, not in our spirit, but in our flesh. This is what's happening. But by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, we get the result, the manifest, the manifested result in our fruit in the Spirit. We understand what it means to love. We understand what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. We understand what it means to endure because we have patience. That is given by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So our flesh suffers. So when we look at it, we have to realize God has to be the source of all our decision-making. We can't allow our emotions to trump what the Spirit is saying. We can't allow it. We can't allow our emotions or our feelings. We can't allow our intellect to get in the way of what the will of God is trying to speak to us and what he's trying to say to us and how he's trying to lead us because he only leads us by his spirit. Those that are led by the spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. Not those that are led by the flesh, those that are led by the spirit. But guess what? We're still going to have emotions. We're still going to have feelings. We're still going to have logical intellect and our own understanding, our own minds. All of that is part of our humanity. So this is where we wrestle. This is where we have to lean on God. This is where we have to get our wisdom from him. And in James, it talks about 
when you ask wisdom, not a sensual wisdom, not an earthly wisdom, but when you ask for wisdom from God, he will give it to you. But we have to ask. We have to go to him. But this is what the enemy does. He uses everything that is in our flesh to distract us from walking in the spirit and from doing the will of God. We can't do the will of God according to the flesh. We have to do the will of God according to the spirit. And who is our blueprint? Jesus. He shows us what this looks like. And a perfect example to see what this looks like is watching Jesus go through the wilderness and being tempted by Satan himself. So we're going to look at that. But before we do, I want us to understand also that maturity is the key to remaining as spiritual children. This is important. Watch what Paul says in Colossians 1, chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. He says, he has now reconciled in his body. This is Paul talking about what Jesus has done. He's reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus did it. He did it. He reconciled us to the Father through his body by his death so that we will be presented holy and blameless. No one could do that but Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is awesome. But it doesn't stop there. Watch what Paul says. He's done this, and you will be presented holy and blameless if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Wow. I have to continue in the faith. And the way I continue in the faith is I have to be stable and steadfast, not moving or wavering or swaying from the hope of the gospel that has been put in me, that has been given in me. How do I do that? I walk by the Spirit. How does that happen? I allow the Spirit to mature me, to grow me, to bring me to that place. We can't be afraid to make mistakes because we, we're, in, we're human. We're in the natural. We're in the flesh. But we have to not waver from the faith because the faith has nothing to do with the flesh. The flesh can't please God, but faith is the only thing that can please God. I know you guys know about faith. Your faith life. You have to know about faith. Faith is the element that brings us to that place. Not our doings, not our, oh, I've done everything perfect. No. Oh, I've messed up. I've done it. Okay, get up. It is by your faith. And you learn how to be stable because it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us. Woo! We're here to do the will of God. And we will do the will of God because God will make sure we do the will. All we have to do is stay in the faith. So let's see what happens. Let's see how Jesus handles distractions. Because the world we live in, how many know there are, 
How many can just put their hands up and realize, man, there are a plethora of, of distractions every single day that just keeps me from doing the very natural thing I need to do, the very practical thing I need to do. There are all of these distractions. How much more is the enemy using everything that is in our flesh to keep me away from the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is trying to do when it comes to fulfilling the purpose and the will of God in my life and in our lives as the church? Watch what happens with Jesus. This is what he does. Matthew chapter 4, starting at the first verse, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Wow. The Holy Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted. Whew. The reason that's so exciting is because I'm going to see how Jesus handles it. Because if the Holy Spirit led him, wherever the Holy Spirit leads me, I already have the victory. Ah, oh, it's already mine. It's already yours. But part of that leading is to mature us. To realize we don't rely on the flesh. We rely on the spirit. So what does he say? And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Man, after fasting a couple days, I'm, I'm ready to just go in. He was hungry. So what happens? And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Wow. He's attacking the flesh. He's distracting him. He's playing on what Jesus is feeling. It just tells us. It just tells us. Jesus was hungry. What does the tempter do? He plays on that feeling. He plays on that emotion. He plays on that very real thing that Jesus is going through. What does Jesus say? He answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we can see Satan is trying to use the very provision that Jesus actually needs in this moment to distract him from doing the will of God. Jesus never said, man shall not live by bread. He didn't leave it there. God knows we need provision. He knew Jesus needs provision. But what Jesus says is, you're not going to get me with the thing that I need. I know my flesh is hungry right now. I know I'm in a situation where I could use the very need of eating, the very need of being provided for right now. But I have to tell you, I can't live by bread alone. I have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need the word of God. And a lot of times we get distracted with provision because we're thinking about all of the natural things that we need and not relying on the word of God to take me through. Not only will I get provision, but I will be guarded and I will be sound and I will be steadfast because I'm being led by the spirit to do the will of God. So this is how we learn how to trust not in our own doing. Not in our own fleshly way of things and not in our emotions in the moment. Because the enemy is tricky. He's subtle. He's using here what Jesus needs after 40 days to try to trip him up. 
But the response that Jesus gives, it actually protects his emotions. It protects his feelings. It protects the very thing that he knows he needs because he's not relying on bread alone. He's relying on the word of God. We need the word to do the will of God. Amen? So let's keep going. He says in verse 5, Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Woo! Think about that. Think about being on a place where he's making it all about you. Hmm. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. So now he's using scripture. Wow. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So now Satan is trying to distract him with his protection. See, it's amazing. The devil does this all the time. He takes scripture and he tries to use it to appeal to your flesh. And when he's using it to appeal to your flesh, he's taking it out of context. When you go back and read where that scripture is coming from, it's coming from Psalm 91. When you read Psalm 91, that is actually about those who have decided to put their trust in the Lord. Not to put their Lord to the test, but to put their trust in the Lord. So in other words, as people who are led by the Spirit, we're not moved by what is happening in the flesh. We're not moved by what is happening in the natural. And when the enemy tries to attack you by using the Scripture, if it appeals to your flesh, if it is trying to make your flesh a little more comfortable, you better believe he's trying to use it against you out of context to go back and say, oh, God actually isn't enough. Let me test to see what he's saying. No, 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 no. It is not about testing. It is about when you're in the moment, who are you going to trust? Jesus is saying you won't put your Lord God to the test. That's not what that scripture says. That scripture was for the people who decided in those moments, in the moment of danger, in the moment of affliction, in the moment of, I don't know if I'm going to lose my life or not. Guess what? I'm going to trust God. Remember the three Hebrew boys when they were in the fire? They told um, Nebuchadnezzar, they said, look, we won't bow to you. We know God can save us from this. But if he does not, we put our trust in him. So that's what it means to understand when something comes against your flesh, you don't rely on the flesh. Because you can't get the will of God done by flesh. It must be done by spirit. Amen? So we put our trust in him, and that's what Jesus does. And that's the blueprint for us. In that moment, sitting up on the pinnacle. No, I'm not doing that. That's not what that says. That's not what that meant. I put my trust in him. Doesn't matter what happens to me. Even if the thing that I want to work out for myself doesn't, I still choose to trust him. Woo! So then he goes further. We see he's tested him with a provision. The very thing we need, he's tested his understanding and where he puts his trust when it comes to him being protected. But then he goes for the gusto. And this is what he says again, verse 8, 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, now that's wild. I've looked at that scripture and I thought about it. He took him to a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Talk about the temptation it would be to your flesh because what he says then is crazy. He says, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Woo! Now he's after the worship, which is what he was after in the beginning. He lures us to get us to the place where we choose to give him our worship or where we choose to give our flesh our worship instead of giving our worship to God. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now this is interesting because I remember our pastor, Pastor Brom, mentioning this and the way he said it and the way he lined it up with scripture was so powerful because basically what Satan does What he did with Jesus, and surely he would do with us, he used the will of God to tempt him in his flesh. Satan was offering the will of God. He wasn't offering anything that wasn't the will of God. We know it is the will of God because even in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says, the kingdoms of our world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Everything belongs to him. The will of God was for Jesus to have it all. But the problem is, Satan was offering the will of God, not the way of God. Because the will of God going his way is for all of our flesh to die. And for our spirit to become alive. And I'm going to show you what that looks like. But when the enemy is offering the will of God, it appeals to our flesh. It becomes really enticing to how we feel, to our emotions. Oh, that feels good. Oh, I like that. Yeah, of course, even when you look at Adam and Eve, what did Satan do? He offered the will of God for Adam and Eve, for who God had created, and said, oh, surely You will be like, they were already like God. Why am I listening to something that is appealing? Why am I listening to something that is not of God? Why? Because it is appealing to my flesh. Eve was appealed by the fruit. It started to look good because she started to believe, oh, maybe I will be like God. You are already like him. Jesus already had what God was giving him. But the thing is, we tend to take what the enemy offers because it feels good. But this is how we defeat what the enemy is offering and stick to who we are as spiritual children. This is how we do it. Anything offered to his flesh. Understand this, guys. 
The flesh wants the will of God independent from the way of God, outside of what God has set up. The flesh is more than happy to take what God is offering just so that it doesn't go in the direction that God is saying it needs to go in. Does that make sense? So how do we do this? How do we, how do we combat this? How do we fight this? Well, we see the very thing that plays out in the wilderness. It is what Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 2, putting on the mind of Christ. And this is what he says. Starting at verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Same mind. What does that look like, Carver? Well, this is what it looks like. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery or equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant or of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So how do we do this? We do by taking on the mind of Christ. And what does that mind look like? We go lower. Jesus being in the form of God, he didn't consider it robbery. He didn't consider this something to actually grasp on. He knew I'm equal with God, but that's not my position. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He went lower. And he made himself, as in likeness of a man, he became obedient unto death. He went lower. Even the death of the cross, he went to the lowest of the lows so that God would highly exalt him and gave him a name that is above every name. Is it our job to exalt ourselves? No. Our job is to take our flesh lower. Well, I didn't get the promotion I wanted. Just go lower. Well, I didn't. People talk about me and my family looks at me. To, go lower. Well, they, I want to get back at them because they deserve it. They deserve it. They did me wrong. They did my family wrong. Just go lower. Who do we do? Well, we pray for the enemies that despitefully use us and persecute us. We lift them up. We take the position instead of going after them with our flesh, we take our flesh and we take it lower. Oh, it's hard when you look at it from the flesh perspective. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does the Spirit do? He leads us into the wilderness where we have the opportunity to go lower. What does your wilderness look like? Because when you go lower, you're allowing the will of God to be done in you. No flesh will get glory in the presence of God. No flesh got glory in the presence of God when it came to how Jesus handled his life here. He went lower, and what did God do? He not only exalted him, but he gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. 
Now think about this. If God gave his only son up for us to bring us back into the place of being his children by the spirit, how much more will he exalt you in a way that he will get the glory and people will realize that God is doing the will in you? So it's a matter of understanding when we're attacked and when the flesh is attacked, that is, and our emotions get wired in and our feelings get, all of that is important. Even in my field of counseling, emotions and feelings are important to understand. They are indicators to where you are, but they are not places and they are not signs for you to respond according to how you feel. It's to let you know where you are because it gives you an opportunity to say, okay, my flesh is going through this, but I am a child of God. I belong to the spirit. I am a spiritual being. How do I respond? Well, how did Jesus respond? He went lower. My flesh suffers, but my spirit is being made alive. I'm maturing in the faith because I'm understanding what it feels like to be afflicted, to go through hardships, to go through trials, but People are seeing me as the salt of the earth. The world is seeing us as the light of the world. His kingdom come and his will be done. It is so real. It got so real for Jesus to the point that he asked his father, is there any way we can do this outside of me going to the cross? But then he said, nevertheless, Let your will be done, not mine, but yours. And what did that do? It reconciled all of his people back to him. How powerful is that? Woo! So the way of God, the way of of going in his direction is us picking up our own cross also. And following him. This is how we do the will of God. Taking on the mind of Christ. Flesh cannot please God. Faith is what pleases God. Faith. Because that leads us to trust him just as Jesus trusted him. And it's all done by the spirit. As the Holy Spirit led Jesus, he leads us also And as he leads us in doing the will of God, because we learn how to trust him and take his way. So we don't give our worship to our feelings. We don't give our worship to our emotions. We don't give our worship to our intellect. We don't try to figure out, oh, how do I get out of this? I I get it. We all go through all of these Hard times, and we go through struggles, and we go through opposition, and we go through conflict, and we go through whether it's on our job, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our neighborhood, whatever the case may be, we find ourselves going through things that ticks our flesh off, that makes us want to stand up for ourselves, that makes us want to be justified. But those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not those who lead their flesh and try to justify themselves. I have a right. I get it. I have a right. I need to be understood. I need to be heard. But what did Jesus do? He humbled himself. The lower we go, the more it gives God the opportunity to exalt us in a way where people can see, 
That is what the will of God looks like. Oh, okay. Don't be surprised when you find people coming up to you and saying, the way you handled that situation, I don't know what it is, but it's something about you that I need to, I need to really figure out. How did you not get back at that person? The way they treat, we all saw the way they treated you. We all saw the way they overlooked you. You've been here for so long and still didn't get what is due to you. How do you handle that? How is it that you kept your demeanor? How is it that you kept a peace about you? How is it that you didn't respond the way we would have responded? That's the will of God. That's what the will of God looks like because you're becoming the salt of the earth. You're becoming the light of the world. You're becoming someone who is attracting other people to realize it is not how, it is not according to the flesh how I live. It is according to the spirit. When you humble yourself, it is God who exalts. It is God who lifts. And trust me, no matter what we have in mind when it comes to how we should be exalted, it is nothing compared to how God wants to exalt you. I believe there is, and I want to pray for anyone, especially when it comes to having the mind of Christ. If you're going through things, if it's things that even attacking your mind, if it's things that you feel like there are people around you or people that is hard to get along with, or even if you're struggling on your work, you're trying, you're, maybe you're thinking, oh, maybe I should leave. Maybe this is my time to find something else. This is becoming really tough, really hard. I'm not understanding why people are not either seeing me or they're giving me such a difficult time. And you're finding your mind to be bombarded with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of things that doesn't really fit when it comes to who you are as a child of God. Because God says he will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. To do what? To keep our hearts and to keep our minds. So putting on the mind of Christ is what we want. So if the worship team wants to come back, I don't know how you do it, Muna, but I, I want to I take this time to actually pray for anyone who needs any ministry, especially in the form of just being bombarded in your mind. Because the attack is always on the mind. We renew our minds, transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. I know there is a greater level of maturity that is about to come upon this church, not just because it just needs to happen, not for your health, but because of where you guys are and the influence you have in your area, in this sphere, but also on your work, in the workforce, where you work, where you reside, in your neighborhoods. There's a maturity that is coming here. Because people is going to know, they're going to understand what it looks like to do the will of God. Because that's why we're here. And in doing the will of God, yes, our flesh suffers, but that's okay. Because we're led by the Spirit. And it is because of the Spirit we're sons. And watch how, because of the maturity that you guys are growing up in, Watch how many more people want what you have.
Because when you learn how to handle the difficulties of life, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, that gives people hope. Because you're doing something that comes from the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And the church is the representation here of the kingdom of heaven. Not this area, not this earth. We don't represent what the earth is doing. We represent, we're representatives on the earth of what is happening in the kingdom. So when people are trying to figure out how to do things, we bring it. We bring the solution. We are the solution. The church is the solution. So don't be surprised when you have people on your jobs. Don't be surprised when you have people in your neighborhood. Don't be surprised when you have family members saying, there's something about you. I need to know. Because I'm bombarded with all of this anxiety and yet you seem to have peace. How is it? We're going through the same thing. We're in the same economy. How is it that you have peace? And I don't. Because we're recognizing we're doing the will of God. We don't give our worship to our desires, to our ambition, to the things we want to accomplish. Great, accomplish it. Accomplish everything in life. If God gave Jesus a name that is above every name, how much more will he give the achievements and the goals and the, and, and the desires and the ambitions that you have? But it won't be according to the flesh. Because the flesh can't glory in the presence of God. It'll be according to the Spirit. So as the worship team just ministers right now, I'm here. I want even Muna, if you if you want to pray, and the prayer team, anyone coming, anyone who wants prayer for anything, especially with the mind, because the enemy is working overtime to try to attack our minds. So don't let anything stop you. Thank you, Jesus.